your host for Lacrosse Talk PM, Rick Sola. All right, welcome to a Friday of Lacrosse Talk PM. I am Rick Solom on the phone. He is not in studio with me. On the phone with me tonight is UW Lacrosse, as he is every Friday, UW Lacrosse political science professor, Dr. Anthony Tregoski. How's it going? Happy Friday, Rick. Nice right. to talk with you. Making sure, making sure you're on the line there. We're good. A lot of stuff happening politically, always. I don't think it ever... Is there ever a time where we're just not... Could we get a day where there's just not... A bunch of stuff last week did you did you figure out any of the like friday news dumps last week because there were there were some big ones but we finally have the friday news dump that the senate passed the debt ceiling bill yeah rick we've been watching the debt ceiling drama unfold for a while now in washington dc and there were a lot of questions about what would happen after all june 5th was the date that the treasury secretary janet yellen had said that there needed to be some kind of extension to the debt ceiling in order for the nation to continue paying its bills. And so watching very closely the negotiations between Kevin McCarthy, the Republican House Speaker, and Joe Biden, and a lot of questions about how the Wisconsin delegation was going to vote. And so we saw things kind of turn out in a pretty predictable way, I guess, You saw the more liberal members, Mark Pocan of Madison and Gwen Moore of Milwaukee, vote against the debt ceiling. No, I just got to stop. Just as you saw Tom Tiffany and Ron Johnson vote against it, the more conservative. Stop you right there. This is the weirdest vote I think I've ever experienced where we have Mark Pocan and Tom Tiffany voting together. What is that? That's like Ron Johnson and Tammy Baldwin being senators in the same state. Rick, this was a great example of how the more conservative members and the more liberal members were both unhappy with the deal because, in their view, it didn't go far enough. But they felt that way for completely different reasons. The conservatives felt that it didn't go far enough because they felt that it didn't do enough in the way of deficit reduction in getting spending under control, in reducing government spending. Meanwhile, the more liberal members like Glenn Moore and Mark Pocan felt that it gave away too much in terms of the more progressive or liberal priorities. And so you were left with the more moderate, I guess you would say, members of the delegation uh, voting for it, But it was a very odd breakdown in votes, because on the one hand, you had people like Bernie Sanders voting against it. You had people like like Ron Johnson voting against it. And then you had the more people in the middle voting for it. So it was an odd situation. (laughs) This is a great example of, do you want to know who's too far left or too far right in our politics? Just look at who voted no on the things. Ron Johnson, Bernie Sanders... Uh, Mark Pocan, Tom, uh, Tom Tiffany, those people. So, but the, I mean, yeah, it was just, it's a very weird vote. And it's, it's all kind of, the whole thing is kind of weird because the deadline was June 1st. And then it was like, well, that's a ho- that's coming off a holiday weekend. You know, that's going to put a kibosh on our plans. <laughs> let's just push the, the collapse of the entire world's economy. It's let's push it back to June 5th so we can get a week off the holiday weekend to, to kind of wrap up. That's exactly what happened. It's kind of BS to me. 
See, Rick, this is a conspiracy theory of yours, and now we're three weeks in a row on your conspiracy theories on Fridays. This is a conspiracy theory that I really like, that basically they just said, hey, we need a couple more days on the holiday, so let's extend the debt ceiling for four days and just kind of leave it at that. Yeah, we need to write these down, don't we? I'm going to write these in our notes because my conspiracy <laughs> theories, because I'm not, I don't even remember the other ones. Do you have any idea what they were? Well, one of your conspiracy theories was that Republican lawmakers are trying to outlaw TikTok because that's how young people get their information. And Republicans are worried about the young vote. So they want to try to outlaw TikTok for that reason, the young audience that TikTok has. Yeah, they want to blame Democrats for banning TikTok because the only way Republicans can get young people to vote for their ideas is if they, if it's something so ridiculous. It's not something that they would approve of or they would push as legislation to help young people. It's just a way to blame Democrats for doing a thing. Kind of how the debt ceiling will, deal works, too. If you want to blame Democrats for you know going after SNAP benefits, look what Joe Biden did. He's going to sign this thing on the debt ceiling, and it's going to go after poor people on SNAP benefits. Blame Joe Biden. Rick, one of the odd things about the deal is that SNAP, the Supplemental Nutrition Assistance Program, otherwise known as food stamps, it's actually going to expand according to the projections from the Congressional Budget Office. They think that there will be more people on food stamps as a result of the deal that was cut. There are some work requirements implemented, as you mentioned. Republicans viewed work requirements for social programs as a winning issue for them. But at the same time, there were some exceptions, some flexibility added into the SNAP program, and that, on balance, is apparently going to result in even more people on this program. So that was one of the many odd elements of the negotiation between the two parties over the debt ceiling. 608-785-7914 is the talk and text line. UW Lacrosse political science professor, Dr. Anthony Chagoski, going to hang out with us. A couple of other things on the list. Uh, UW Lacrosse not getting its science building uh, funded again. So, you know, uh, politics didn't play a role in any of that. Uh, Tregoski put some of these things, very serious topics on a Friday. I was disappointed he didn't find anything funny, so I had to fill out our notes. But Senate, uh, again, the debt ceiling, Tammy Baldwin and Ron Johnson, Tom Tiffany and Mark Pocan, all holding hands together when they vote no. Uh, we should get them in a picture together. Uh, House votes, okay, that was the debt ceiling. I, I, don't, I didn't look at this one. Numbers, nobody has ever seen how the GOP lost Wisconsin. We'll have to get Tregoski's take on that headline. Uh, Van Orden flips opinion on the abortion ban. Um, more Glenn Grothman news. We, haven't, we didn't even talk about Glenn Grothman last week. Um, he, this is two weeks in a row now. He said something ridiculous. He's another U.S. House member, right? I mean, he said something ridiculous two weeks ago, too. This one was on the judges and calling, uh, blaming Biden for, for, I guess, having diverse judges. What was the other thing? Do you remember? Well, I remember a while ago, he, did he go after, like, Nicki Minaj or Cardi B or some other rapper for being too provocative or something like that? He has a way of kind of wading into these national controversy it was a, and, it so was he's a, been involved in a number of controversies this time it was about the racial and gender makeup of the judges joe biden has nominated to serve on the federal bench it was a it was a sound clip 
and it had something to do with I don't like like relationships or something. I just I'll have to look it up uh, or during the break. Anyway, that's what I'll do when when we uh, during the break here. We'll be back. Chagoski, just put it on speaker for a second so Bri- Brianna can hear. Am I gonna fit in? Jumped in the camp, here I am for the first time. Look to my right and I see the Hollywood sign. This is All right, welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM 608 785 7914 is the text line. If you want to shoot me just a text, you got a question, you want to stump the political science professor. You could. I don't know how you. I, I guess it would be hard to stump a political. I mean, you would have to ask a historical fact or something. But you're not a history teacher, so because because anything that anyone asks a political scientist, you guys can just talk your way to whatever because it's just politi- It's it's like theory, right? No, you're absolutely right, Rick. I mean, we have some history content in what we teach, but yeah, we're not history professors. So, uh, yeah, I'm sure people could stump me on historical facts. All right. So there is some UW lacrosse news, and I, this isn't your department at, at on campus, but I'm sure in, in, in school is out, right? So perfect time to do this. Wait until everyone's gone from the UWL campus before you drop the news that the Republicans on the Joint Finance Committee are not going to fund the UW lacrosse Phase 2 Prayer Springs Science Center uh, not, I don't. I can't imagine anyone who's who's happy about this. This thing has been on delay for five years. Five years ago, if if we would have approved it then, it would have cost eighty million dollars, and now it's one hundred and eighty-seven million dollars. So, uh, you know, like like let's put it off another two years and see if we can't get that baby up to two hundred million come twenty twenty-five. Yeah, Rick, and I should be very clear here that I don't speak for UW Lacrosse. These are just my own views, but. It's also worth noting that the number one priority in the UW system capital budget was a new engineering building at UW-Madison. And so there were some key science education priorities, like the engineering building at Madison and like the new science education building at UW-Lacrosse that did not pass the Joint Finance Committee. The Joint Finance Committee did approve a number of UW system projects, but not what the UW system wanted and not what Governor Evers wanted. So I think it just reflects the different point of view that the Joint Finance Committee has on these issues. And ultimately, yeah, another cycle where the Joint Finance Committee gives the thumbs down to the new science education building. And again, I think there was a a very strongly worded statement from UW-Madison about not getting a new engineering facility. I know that they feel very strongly about having a new engineering building, and they feel very strongly about the benefits that engineering education and engineering research bring. And so that was also turned down by the Joint Finance Committee. So definitely some rejections of potential science education at the UW system. Yeah, this uh, it seems a little political. They have approved some of the buildings on UW campuses, so it can't be all political, but they, there's also a $7 billion budget surplus. So it's like, well, if you don't do something with some of these projects, why do we have a budget surplus to, to play with anyway? Then you should be giving the budget surplus back to the taxpayers because you haven't done that either in a year and a half now. We're almost at a year and a half where nothing's been done with the budget surplus. That's grown from about $3 billion two Januarys ago to now to now over double at $7 billion. Um, 
are, are you thinking like maybe we need a new political science wing? Put that, maybe get that on the list. Like, why not? Just throw, see what. I mean, throw uh, throw a bunch of lines out there, UWL. We need this project, this project, and maybe one of them will catch. Maybe the Republicans will allow you to have one building project. It's just such a unique budget process that Wisconsin has, where this committee of lawmakers, 12 Republicans, four Democrats, the Joint Finance Committee, is just extraordinarily powerful. And, of course, it all passed. Everything that passed the other day was on a 12-Republican for right. it, for, Republic, for Democrats against it kind of vote. Meanwhile, I'm driving through Minnesota right now, and they've already passed their budget. So just moving at different paces. And, of course, Minnesota has a different situation where they have the Democratic Party in full control of the state government. And so they were able to work through some of these issues in, I think, a, a way that was a bit more smooth than the process in Wisconsin. Of course, that's what happens when you have divided government. It gets complicated. There's a lot of fighting. There's a lot of arguing and bickering and a lot of battle over control of the process. And so as I'm driving through Minnesota right now, I'm just thinking about how the politics of the budget process are just so different in Minnesota as far as just how smoothly things went here, okay. for better or for worse, right? Okay. For better I, or for worse. I it got... went a lot more smoothly than in Wisconsin. Okay, but but wait. When Republicans have full control of the Wisconsin government, Governor Scott Walker at the time couldn't pass a budget. It went well into August, I think beyond August, uh, and the Republicans couldn't agree. Republicans can't agree to get rape and incest off the uh, abortion ban. Republicans can't agree to – I feel like if Republicans were in full control of the government, uh, you know, some of this stuff would be contentious within the party itself because of gerrymandering and how, you know, how the, the, the wings get pushed to the extremes in that matter. Democrats – and then the, my other take here, I want your take. So that's one thing. If, if Republicans have full control, how would, would things run, quote-unquote, smoothly? And then when Democrats have full, full control of, you know, the the – the government in Minnesota, uh, the amount of, I don't know, do you guys as political scientists look at it and go, wow, this is because they're passing extraordinary amounts of legislation that's very impactful, like legalizing marijuana is one, but the the voting rights thing. And I mean, there's a list of, I, I can't even name them. There's so many. There's a, there's probably a list of like 15 things that are going to have a giant impact on people's lives in Minnesota. Yeah, you're right, Rick. The Minnesota state legislature, the Minnesota state government, has been quite aggressive in passing progressive policy issues like legalizing marijuana, like some like paid family leave, for example. And that's another good example of an issue that is kind of stuck right now in Wisconsin, paid family leave. Also, marijuana is another good example. Uh, we haven't heard a lot about marijuana legalization they, they can't in even... Wisconsin. We don't even know if there's necessarily going to be any movement on medical marijuana. And oh, now no. Wisconsin finds itself almost surrounded by states that have made some movement on on marijuana legalization. And so Wisconsin does seem to be a bit of an outlier politically in a number of ways. Marijuana legalization is definitely one of those ways where other states have moved more aggressively, and Wisconsin is one of the few states that has not made any significant moves towards really any type of marijuana well, legalization. This is where I get back to the, if Republicans had control, would anything move? Because you watch Minnesota pass legalizing recreational marijuana, now Michigan, Minnesota, Illinois, 
Canada and Iowa has like medical marijuana. So every neighbor has like some form of marijuana. And you know, people are going to go from Wisconsin over to, to Minnesota to do, you know what, with marijuana. <laughs> and, and Republicans, there was, there was this couple weeks ago, uh, they asked, I think, Robin Voss or Devin Lemayhew, um, because there was a, pro- a proposal to legalize medical marijuana. And when they one of those two uh, assembly or Senate leaders was asked who proposed it, they couldn't even they didn't even want to name the Republicans because it would be so contentious within the party. Oh, we we can't tell you who proposed this this evil thing of medical marijuana. Otherwise, they might get voted out. Yeah, Rick, and I think you hit the nail on the head. The Republicans want to avoid the appearance of internal divides, and that's what made the situation with abortion quite uncomfortable for the Republican Party, because you had one faction of the Republican Party in Wisconsin that is concerned about the political effects of the abortion ban. I think they realize that public opinion is going one way, and Wisconsin policy on abortion is at odds with public opinion. And so they want to add some exceptions. They want to make the law different. Other Republicans are quite comfortable where the law is right now, where we have a virtual total ban on abortion. And there was a very awkward scenario a while ago where that debate burst open into the public, where there was this very public split between Robin Voss, the Assembly Speaker, and Devin Lemahue, the Majority Leader of the State Senate. It was very unusual to see that kind of split, but it is a very real divide in the Republican Party right now, just as there is a real divide on the issue of marijuana. And I think that is what is preventing this issue from going forward. The Republicans want unity within their party before they move forward on these issues. And right now, there just is not unity within the Republican Party on the policy or the strategy regarding marijuana in Wisconsin. Or or you pick 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 one. A paid family leave, Medicaid expansion. I mean there's there's all these issues that are literally going to just like very impactful on, on people's lives. If you pass the legislation, you're sitting on 7 billion dollars. You see your neighbor over in Minnesota doing the the thing but you can't even do it because what? It'd be too democratic. It'd be too left wing. It'd be too socialism. Is that? I just like. Are they scared? It's just so funny. Paid family leave is a really good example of what you're talking about, Rick. Because Republicans have really backed off the idea of paid family leave in Wisconsin. There has been some buzz about paid family leave during the election for governor last time around. Tim Michaels. The Republican candidate for governor in Wisconsin had expressed a real openness to paid family leave, perhaps as a bit of a way to moderate his position on abortion. We know that Michaels was in favor of the ban on abortion in Wisconsin, but had moved in a bit of a surprising direction on paid family leave. Since the election, though, since Governor Evers was reelected, Republicans in Wisconsin have very much backed away from the idea of paid family leave. And in fact, they muted the microphones of Democrats in the Joint Finance Committee when the Democrats tried to push for at least a study on paid family leave. Of course, the Republicans rejected Tony Evers' idea, which provided some funding to kind of get a paid family leave program off the ground. And Republicans obviously rejected that. They rejected an idea to study the issue. And so there is a divide within the party on that. But I think 
Republicans have really backed off the idea of paid family leave. There had been, of course, talk about that as a potential strategic response by the party to the overturning of Roe versus Wade, to much more restrictive abortion laws. Would the party change its position on paid family leave? And we're just not seeing that in Wisconsin right now. The party remains firmly against kind of the the Evers proposal for paid family leave. Yeah, it seems, uh, and you won't say it, but it seems pretty obvious to me when, when the Republican governor pushes that everyone's in, and then the Republican governor candidate doesn't win the election. And then it's like, well, if we pass this thing, then the Democratic governor gets credit for it. Even though that dude's not going, uh, A, he might not run for your election. And even if he does, it would be four years down the road. It just doesn't matter. Anyway, we got to take a break. UW Lacrosse Political Science Professor Dr. Anthony Jurgoski is going to hang out for the rest of the hour. And we really, we really have a deep dive into donuts when we come back. All right, welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM. 608 785 7914 is the text line. UW Lacrosse Political Science Professor Dr. Anthony Chagoski hanging out this hour as he does most Fridays. Um, okay, so we, we, we mentioned we got to talk donuts. We've been, we've been political, political, political the whole time, but it's been state politics. There's also this infectious thing to do, even though we're a year away from it and we keep doing it every Friday, Chagoski, is to talk about the presidential election. <laughs> and there's yeah. and Trump said some stuff this week because he's in Iowa, right? Like he's they're they're both praying around Trump and DeSantis uh, while they're praying around. Biden's falling over, and we'll talk about that too in a minute. But but they're both praying around, and I and I we'll get these takes in a minute. And just setting it up, we're going to talk about some Donald Trump, some stuff Donald Trump said, and I think it's really dangerous if you're anti Donald Trump or just anti Republican. I guess anti Donald Trump being the president. Um, but but if you're pro Donald Trump being the president, this is this stuff is probably like great news for you. And and you should be happy that I'm talking about it, because if I'm scared, then you're happy. Um, but before we <laughs> but before we do that. OK, so you sent me this. Where did we where did you get this donut map? Tregoski's he Facebook messaged me half a donut map pointing out that Wisconsin doesn't have very many donut shops. There's a, there's a, it's a pink map. So it's from dark pink to light pink. And we're in the light pink, which means we don't have very many donut shops per population. And, um, I don't know the, the source where we need, we need to know the source of this Trigoski. Yeah, Rick, this is from the Washington post and they looked at the number of donut shops compared to the population in all regions of the country. And they found that California, Texas, Florida and the Northeast have a lot of donut shops compared to the population. And Wisconsin and Minnesota don't have that many at all compared to the population. All right. So we're lacking of donut shops. I, I could think of a couple of Dunkin' Donuts and there's a couple local local things. But here's my thing. If Wisconsin does a, a, a do state fairs count? Because do, do warm states that could have a state fair all year round have popular state fairs? Because... You could because it's warm out all year. You could when we have state fairs, it's like oh my god, we only got three months to get this thing in, and then everyone goes to the state fair. And I feel like state fairs, you know, are just captain donuts, right? Like what are, what qualifies as a donut too, right? We we were giving away cream puffs to get a COVID shot at one point. Did I lose you on that take? Oh, maybe I lost him altogether. All right. Well, well, okay. So, so Chagoski sends me this map, 
and there's not, and we'll see if he comes back. It might have lost him. Uh, he might have lost cell service. So if he calls me back, he calls me back. But he sends me his map in Wisconsin and Minnesota. There's some parts of Wisconsin. It's real weird. And it's hard to zoom in on the map because it's just a screenshot. But it, lac- it looks like lacrosse is okay. It's not on the lowest end of the totem to- pole for, for donut shops. But here's what I wonder. Does, does the Washington Post, when they did the donut shop map, do they count quick trips as part of this 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 uh these donuts because quick trip i would say if you added quick trip to the amount of shops that that wisconsin has selling donuts i feel like it would be there would be more donut shops than any place in the nation because because of just the amount of quick trips that are in town right you you go from if there's like three or four donut shops in lacrosse that's pretty good but if you count quick trips as donut shops now there's like 37 now we have 37 donut shops, and that's got to be more per capita than even bars, right? There's probably more donut shops if you count quick trips in in lacrosse than there are bars in lacrosse, or at least it would be equal. But uh, yeah, it's just it seems like it, the 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 idea that there aren't a lot of donut shops in Wisconsin. Yeah, I can I could see that unless you count quick trips. Do you count quick trips though? Are Glazers donuts something that? You would you would quantify. It's got to be. You got to count them as a donut, right? As opposed to uh, Bladeaux. You go to Winona and it's Bladeaux. You got to get those. You got to go to that bakery to get those donuts. It's a different scale, right? Um, I don't know. 608-785-7914. We'll see if Tr- we can get Tregoski back. Okay. I, I He knows my tr- – I'll, I'll give you my Trump take here because Trump did two things this week. He said two things, and I just have partial quotes, and I'm not going to play them because I'm scared that they're – they're not going to be loud enough to hear. But the the quotes from Donald Trump, one, he he kind of went anti-woke and not in a way that Republicans typically go anti-woke. He didn't go, he's not anti-woke he, as opposed to he's against people who are woke. He's anti-talking and making this a strategy. Like, are we really going to campaign on just being anti-woke? We're going to be against the people who consider themselves woke. It's already been, we've already talked about this. There's been stories about this, how people kind of, we're getting to the point where we just got to roll our eyes at the nonsense. Like, really, you're going to talk about woke again? And 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 this thing that doesn't really exist, and it's just, it's not, it doesn't really have an effect. You can't define it. it doesn't you, you can't pinpoint what actually woke means or who is woke or what woke even is, but we're going to campaign on that. That just doesn't, it doesn't make a ton of sense. And now Donald Trump is like, yeah, let's do it. Let's, let's just say we're going to be against talking about that. Trump's Trump. uh, He said, I don't like the term woke because I hear the term woke, woke, woke. It's just the term they use. Half the people can't divine it if they don't even know what it is. So kind of what I just said, Oh no, me and Donald Trump have the same thoughts on the term woke. And, um, yeah, I gotta, I gotta say that's that's where that's where I'm at with that stuff. It's uh, if he's if he's gonna do that, if he's gonna campaign on actual issues. Now the 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 sidebar to that is is some of the campaign issues that he has. I'm not sure. I'm not sure that those are are going to be great either because he just came out this week saying that he's going to be against. Um, like uh, na- what is the the legal status if 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 a uh, undocumented immigrant comes to America but has a baby, that baby is then a U.S. citizen. He's going to be against stuff like that. Well, 
okay, well, that's that's not a great thing to run on either. I don't I don't think uh, this these anti-immigration, I, I guess, talking points seem seem don't seem like all that productive either. I mean, just I, I feel like if you just keep we we stopped running on inflation, like why aren't we doing that or corporate greed? Like, why aren't we running on that? But the other thing, the other thing I thought was very interesting that Trump did, and this one is bigger than the woke, the woke thing. Donald Trump was in Iowa campaigning because DeSantis is in Iowa campaigning. And so Donald Trump had to go and do the same thing because they got to one up each other, just going to follow each other around the country. It's going to be super weird. Um, But he's campaigning in Iowa and and Joe Biden fell. I don't know if you've seen the video. He was he was somewhere and he fell on stage and, um, you know, if you're you could laugh at that or you can gasp at that or you can kind of roll your eyes and be like yeah the dude's 80 so he's gonna fall over uh but trump so so the crowd in iowa obviously wants him to to riff that riff on that a little bit and you would have expected him to make fun of joe biden for falling joe biden's fell on his bike before that one that one was pretty funny honestly this one is it's hard the video i saw was kind of hard to see but I mean, he fell on stage and he's kind of just, you know, sitting on his knees there. But Trump says, uh, you got to be careful about that because you don't want that. Even if you have to tiptoe down a ramp, you just don't want to fall. So Trump does not make fun of Joe Biden, but he does. But he does make fun of himself. And if Donald Trump's going to make fun of himself. Then then it's over like a Ron DeSantis can't can't win and B he's Joe Biden's going to have a tough time. If, if Donald Trump's going to start being able to make fun of himself. All right. I'm going to try to get Trigoski back. Uh, we'll be back in just a minute. Nothing in my brain. Got nothing in my brain. All right. 608-785-7914. Is that right? I guess so. Uh, like I had to send Trigoski the line and now I can't do numbers. But uh, we, we got him back. Rural Minnesota, maybe we should talk about, uh, you know, Wi-Fi reception, cell tower reception. Maybe we should use some of that $17 billion budget surplus to do some of that. Uh, Wisconsin, obviously, uh, you know, that's another thing we could use budget surplus uh, with is, is getting broadband everywhere. But Chagoski, I'll just I'll give you an update. I did my take on donuts a little bit, but we can get your take on that. I did get a texter that said quick trip doesn't count as a donut shop question mark. And Sarge, I don't know if you're asking or telling me because you put a question mark there. Does quick trip count as a donut shop? Let me know. Um, Chagoski, give me your opinion too. But, but I did also talk about if Trump's going to be able to make fun of himself, he didn't make fun of Joe Biden for falling because I think he realizes that they're both 80-year-old men. And then he made fun of himself. If you remember the video where he tiptoed down that ramp and had like that, that uh, you know, military serviceman kind of hold his hand as they walked down the ramp together. Super funny to, to, to see and kind of make fun of when it's the president. But when it's your grandpa, you're kind of like, all right, thank you, sir, for helping my grandpa down the ramp. And Tchaikovsky, and Trump made fun of himself for doing that. He, he's like, I'm not going to make fun of Joe, but he didn't say he's not going to make fun of Joe Biden. He just didn't do it. And then he then he made fun of himself. That's dangerous. Trump's going to be dangerous if he can, you know, when he starts making fun of himself for buy, paying off a porn star, it's all over. Yeah, Rick, we've seen some interesting comments on the campaign trail from Donald Trump, including comments on Joe Biden. He also had a very intriguing comment about term limits and the fact that if elected, he can only serve one more term based on the 
with limitations on how many terms a president can serve. And so Ron DeSantis recently said that, well, it'll take eight years to fix everything that's gone wrong. And Donald Trump responded, well, no, I only need six months to fix everything that's gone wrong. And so it's been really interesting to see Donald Trump ramp back up on the campaign trail, get going on the campaign trail in advance of a busy summer. In fact, a busy week next week, because we'll have Mike Pence jump into the race for president next week. We'll also have Chris Christie, the former New Jersey governor, as well as Doug Burgum, the governor of North Dakota, all getting into the race next week ahead of a busy summer on the campaign trail. I saw Aaron Rupar tweet, uh, what is the guy with the gray, the, the older guy, gray-haired, got glasses? He was in Trump's um, cabinet at one point. He has the big mustache, kind of a military advisor. John Bolton, John Bolton. You know what John Bolton looks like, right? God, did we lose him again? I think we lost it. I think we lost Tregoski. We're going to have to give up on Tregoski today. He's driving through rural Minnesota, and that's fine. Yeah, John Bolton and, and mayor of the north side, Ken's going to join me here. Hold tight, Ken. John Bolton announced that he was maybe going to get into the presidential race uh, uh, also on the Republican side. And Aaron Rupar tweeted, can there be negative numbers? Can you can the polling go negative on somebody getting into the race? Because who is going to vote for John Bolton uh, among the Kent, where where do you stand on John Bolton running for president? Where does he rank on your hierarchy? Hey, Rick, John Bolton reminds me of Jerry Garcia from The Grateful Dead. If he had longer hair with that cheesy mustache he's got on and stuff. But I just want to reiterate what you were saying, too. I know Trump was in Iowa, and he even said, hey, I hope Joe's okay after falling, but not the place to do it. Well, anybody could trip, you know. Yeah, yeah, like Trump took the high road. It was it was very interesting. The the other part of that, though, Kent, is Trump didn't see the video. So people in the crowd were kind of like, hey, Joe Biden fell. And Trump's like, what? And they're like and they're trying to describe, you know, the the, the scene a little bit. And, he, and Trump knew where Biden was. So Trump's like, oh, he's there. And he's like, oh, yeah, he's at that military base. If he's I think it was Connecticut or something. He's like, well, if he's in Connecticut, that's probably where he's at. And then he was like. Yeah, you got to watch out. <laughs> so I was like, wow, well, Trump, Trump took the high road. Joe Biden was at a, the Air Force Military Academy graduation out east. Yeah. And he actually stood up and shook like 900 graduates' hands. And it was warm out that day. I mean, I would probably trip after all that, too. But Trump even said, you know, when he was on the news, Fox News, doing his town hall, he said, I hope Joe's okay. Right, definitely. That's it. Let's let's all be good to one another. You know what I mean, brother? Yeah, definitely. That's a it's a kind of a refreshing take uh, from uh, Donald Trump, who who's kind of existed in a way that just attack, 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 and we'll see what happens. I mean, I mean, he's he's saving all that for for DeSantis at this point. I think Chagoski had a had a good point. When <laughs> it's it's another one of those ridiculous things. If you're gonna get, I'm not gonna go after woke, and I'm not gonna make fun of Joe Biden for falling because we all know. He, because he knows better than anyone else that he's an 80 year old man that had to it, it, it could fall at any time as well. But if he's but when Ron DeSantis says the country is so messed up, it's going to take two terms to fix it. So he needs eight years. Donald Trump just goes, ah, I only need a couple of months, which, you know, whatever. I mean, that's that's a, that's a super Donald Trump take on on something like that, because a is the country in shambles. B, I'm going to fix it in eight years or in six months. But C, like what? Where where do you see the problems? I mean, if you everyone everyone in the in the political world wants to 
call out immigration. And it's it's like one of them things like, OK, what well, nobody's ever solved this thing. It's been a problem for decades. How are you going to solve it? As, as opposed to I'm going to solve all the things in six months or I'm going to solve all the things in eight years. Just pick one and just tell us what you're going to do, because then then we'll decide whether or not we like your plan. Because it's going to put a put up a wall and, and ban everybody from coming in. Then, you know, like that's that's not helpful. Why are those people coming in? So uh, 608-785-7914. I just got a couple of minutes left. I, I wanted to talk to Trigoski about a couple of funny stories that I saw. Um, but I but I'll but I'll let you guys know. This one's super this one's funny and sad and ridiculous. So an Indian official is suspended. So we're in New Delhi right now. After he drains a reservoir, so he a reservoir. People need this for water, you know, a reservoir, water. You need the water. It's New Delhi, right? It's not exactly uh lacrosse. Not all that much water there. Uh to retrieve what? His phone. Why? Because he was taking a selfie. He was taking a selfie at a reservoir and he dropped his phone inside this reservoir. So what does he do? He drains it. Two million liters of water were pumped out of the reservoir because he couldn't. They first of all, they searched for the phone. They had like he had divers come on and he said he needed to get his phone because it had like important government data on it. And dude, if your phone's been in the water for three days, the government data and the rest of your data is gone. The phone is not gonna work. I just looked it up, an iPhone 14, brand new iPhone, and he said it was a new a new phone. Another reason why he wanted it. Brand new iPhone can withstand about 19 feet for 30 minutes before it's ruined. An iPhone. So you got to imagine this dude probably had an iPhone or a, a Samsung Galaxy. It was a brand new phone. Uh, government official in charge of, of a reservoir in India. He must be very important, but not so important to be smart enough not to drain a reservoir where people then are without water. And there were videos. The videos that went vi- viral on social media show this guy sitting under a red umbrella as these diesel pumps drain the water from the reservoir. So, A, it's so hot he's got to sit on he's sitting on the reservoir on this little ledge under a little umbrella, you just want to push the guy into the into the reservoir, all to get his phone. And eventually, of course, they they got his phone. And what happened? It didn't work, of course. And the other story that a, a bear has in Connecticut helped itself to sixty cupcakes out of a bakery. So we're talking about donuts before. Is Wisconsin donuts? Uh, I don't know. Did Sarge text me back? Is is Quick Trip a donut shop? He did not text me back. Um. Oh, Tim texted in that Biden was at an Air Force base in Colorado. So maybe he was at an Air Force base for sure. But anyway, um, yeah, a bear broke into this bakery in Connecticut and stole 60 cupcakes. There's a picture of like a trail of cupcakes leaving the bakery. And and these people were they were doing the thing where you try to scare the bear because that's how you're supposed to. If you ever encounter a bear, you're supposed to get real big and be like, ah, like, hey, bear, like just try to. You try to scare the bear, but then they do that and the bear wasn't scared because the bear obviously lives close enough to people where it just doesn't get scared of people anymore. And uh, so that strategy didn't work. And then the bear ended up eating a bunch of cupcakes, a bakery in Connecticut. So one extra bakery that lacrosse doesn't have when you when you talk about some of this stuff. Anyway, that's all the time I have. Thanks again to Dr. Chugoski. We'll do it again next week.